Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 91 this morning. Psalm 91. If you're new to the Bible, the book of Psalms is the uh, Jewish hymn book, the Jewish songbook uh, of the Bible. It's 150 songs collected into one book called the Psalms. And these are musical expressions of faith and trust in the Lord, uh, regardless of what might be going on horizontally in the life of the one who is writing it. And we're going to uh, be encouraged by the Lord's word this morning. So let's lock in our ears and our eyes on God's word today. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. A few months ago, our family had the joy of visiting our oldest daughter, who lives in Seattle. And one highlight of our trip was visiting the Space Needle, which towers 605 feet above the ground. The part of the tour that I enjoyed the most, I I must confess, although I really enjoyed walking around the top and, and looking out through the glass windows and even through the glass floor, um, what I think I enjoyed the most was seeing how the needle was constructed. There's a little bit of a construction guy, architect in me. It's been always, always been there. And so I'm kind of interested in that, in that kind of stuff. And um, looking at the pictures and, and reading the captions about how this incredible structure was built. Um, they began building it in 1961, and it only took 400 days to build it. Laborers work 24 hours a day in order to get it done in time for the 1962 World's Fair. Several pictures really stick in my mind. One is of the foundation, uh, which comprises the largest continuous 
pour of concrete uh, ever attempted at that time in the world. First, of course, they had to dig a hole. They dug the hole 30 feet deep and 120 feet square, and it took 467 cement trucks one full day to fill that foundation. 30 feet deep, 120 feet square. Foundation is reinforced with 250 tons of rebar. And this ensures the stability of the tower, which is crucial since the tower is built right on the coast of the ocean and is in an earthquake risk area. 30 feet long bolts. You know what a bolt is, right? (laughs) 30 feet long bolts, especially engineered for this project, connect the tower to the foundation. And architects today argue that it's unlikely that the tower would fall in an earthquake unless it was an enormous one. In fact, in 1965, the tower withstood a 6.5 magnitude earthquake. And the only thing that broke was a little bottle of champagne up in the restaurant that moves around in a circle. Both the foundation and the structural design provide the tower with incredible stability. It's this kind of stability and security that's in the writer's mind as he is penning this song, Psalm 91. This man had a faith and a trust in the Lord to be his foundation, to be his stability, to be his sovereign security. And he could walk in obedience to the Lord because he trusted in the Lord and not in himself. So in Psalm 91, we have a man here who is exalting the Lord as the sovereign security for those who follow him. So our big idea this morning is this. God is the sovereign security of those who trust and obey him. Think about that statement. God is the sovereign security of those who trust and obey him. That says something about God, that he is sovereign. It means he's the ultimate ruler. He is fully in charge of all that he created, this world. God is the sovereign security for those who trust in him and for those who display their trust through obedience. So God is the sovereign security of those who trust and obey him. In Deuteronomy 33:27 Moses describes the Lord this way. Listen to this beautiful picture. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is your dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. Underneath the space needle is a foundation a block of concrete filled with 250 tons of rebar, 30 feet deep, 120 feet square, holding up that structure, holding up the structure of our lives are the everlasting arms of God. 
underneath are the everlasting arms. And so the word of God continues to exhort us to trust in the Lord, to make the eternal God our dwelling place, to by faith dwell in him, resting on that stable foundation, those everlasting arms that hold us. When the Lord is your Lord, that is, when the God of the Bible is your God, then you have an unshakable foundation. Now, Psalm 91 is also considered a messianic psalm, which means that it finds its fulfillment in the person and work of the Messiah, that is, in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who is our ultimate security. The beginning this morning, we're going to spend three Sundays thinking about this sovereign security, the stability that belongs to those who know the Lord through saving faith in Jesus Christ. In the first eight verses, the anonymous writer does two things. He testifies of the Lord as being his stability, and then he teaches us some of the ways that the Lord intercedes and cares for those who belong to him. First, notice this. We find in verses 1 and 2. Listen to the testimony of one who runs to and rests in the sovereign Lord. Listen to this man's testimony. It's coming from a man who is running to the Lord and resting in the Lord. So as he is facing trouble in his life, he is running. But he's not running simply away from trouble. He's not looking for various means of escape, but he is running to the Lord. That's the key. He is dwelling he is dwelling, he is abiding in the security that belongs to him in God. This shelter of God causes boldness in prayer and calm resting in security. You see that Psalm 91 finds its strength and security in God himself. That's where this writer is resting. It's not God plus his own ability to figure things out. It's God. Fully surrendered, fully submissive to the Lord. To walk in obedience to him as the one who is trustworthy. Now notice in verse 1 that the psalmist uses two descriptive titles for God which are significant. Most High and Almighty. Notice, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High and abides in the shadow of the Almighty. Most High and Almighty both speak of God's power as the sovereign ruler of the universe. He is sovereign, he created us, therefore he has full freedom, full liberty to do with his creatures what he desires to do. That's what it means that he is the sovereign ruler of the world. 
Notice verse 1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Most High there in the Hebrew is El Elyon. It's one of the names for God. It means that God is the strong and sovereign one. He is the one who is high and uplifted. He is exalted above creation. He is above the nations. He is above every human ruler. He is above all God's little g, all little g gods. He is above them. He is above all of his enemies. El Elyon is the strong and sovereign one who deserves our submissive faith. And when I speak of submissive faith, I mean that we submit ourselves under the authority of what God has revealed and we align our lives with this even when it doesn't seem to make sense from an earthly perspective. Because by nature, we fight against God's sovereign rule. It started in the Garden of Eden. Our sin nature does not want someone to rule over us. Instead, we want to rule over God. Or at least remake God into our image because we don't like the God that's displayed in the Bible. That's the rebellion that's in our hearts that the Lord Jesus, of course, came to deliver us from. But the psalmist is saying, when we dwell in the shelter of the El Elyon, we find rest for our souls. Shelter, safety, security for our inner person. And when we do that, he says, we will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The Almighty uh, title here is El Shaddai, another Old Testament name for God. It comes from the Hebrew root word for breast, and it conveys the picture of a nursing infant finding nourishment and complete safety and security and satisfaction in the arms of its mother. That's the picture here. El Shaddai is the one who is mighty to nourish and satisfy and supply all that you need. That's what we're seeing here. This shelter is a place of safety. It's, it's somewhere to run to and hide. For example, Psalm 27, verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Or Psalm 32, 7. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. You are my hiding place. That's the testimony of those who run to the Lord. So let me ask you this morning, where do you run? Where do you hide? What is your drug of choice? And when I say that, I don't simply mean a drug, which some people do run to as a form of escape, whether it be illegal drugs or even 
legal drugs or even uh, alcohol or whatever they run to and use in excess for their safety, for their security. This is, many times this is the way addictions start. It's a, it's a way of escape. Instead of running to the Lord, something else is run to for safety, for protection, to make me feel like things are okay, to numb the pain, or all the other reasons we run somewhere besides the Lord. But the safety, the security, and the stability that we may get from any addiction is never going to compare to the safety and the stability and the peace and the security that comes from the Lord, from running to the Lord. See, identifying where you run when you feel insecure is going to help you pinpoint your little gods, little g gods, your idols, the things that compete for your allegiance in your heart. And when you pinpoint those, you can then confess them to the Lord. You can confess them as being man-made hiding places that take the place of the Lord that, that you need to repent of because they are shelters of unbelief. We have a superior shelter. We have the Lord Jesus. We have God and all of his promises that come to us through the Lord Jesus. And so that's why the psalmist can say in verse 2, I will say, I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. So God is a refuge and God is a fortress, but now the psalmist is testifying he is more than a generic fortress for the world. He is a personal fortress, a personal hiding place. You are my rock, for, uh, Psalm 31.3. You are my rock and my fortress for your namesake. You will lead me and guide me. Psalm 71.3, be thou to me a rock of, habitu, of habitation. Be thou to me a rock of habitation. In other words, a place to live to which I may continually come. You have given commandments to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. So notice in verse two, look at, look at verse two. Notice the repetition of the first person pronouns. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The psalmist is declaring one simple yet profound truth that we find security and safety only ultimately in the Lord in following his word. That's where we find safety. That's where we find security and protection. I think of Psalm 23, which is probably the most famous of all psalms that describes the Lord as our shepherd who uh, leads us 
into green pastures and beside still waters, and he restores our soul. He leads us into paths of righteousness. But, but there's only one way that you can say with the writer of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And that's if you have a relationship with him through the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you come to saving faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your Lord, he becomes your good shepherd. And then you can say with the writer of Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And he meets all my needs. He cares for me. He's even with me when he's leading me into really difficult valleys. He stays with us, promises his presence. And so that's the the personal testimony of this writer. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I would encourage you, if you haven't memorized any scripture lately, uh, verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 91 would be a wonderful passage to memorize. Times when you are feeling frightened, insecure. You can bring those to your mind. Let God's word minister to your heart and remind you of all that the Lord is. So that's the testimony that we hear from this man. Then notice we see uh, some teaching in verses 3 through 8. So secondly, learn from the teaching of one who runs to and rests in the sovereign Lord. So now he's going to start preaching. First two verses are testimony. The rest of the psalm is two sermons. I'm going to get three out of it. <laughs> but um, you can see how his, his testimony of what he has seen and is seeing kind of fuels his desire to tell other people to do the same. These are all kinds of reasons you should also make the Lord your refuge, that you should run to him and you should rest in him. Notice four ways that he shows us that God is the sovereign security of all who know him. Number one, God will save you, verse three. God will save you, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. The snare of the fowler, that's a snare of the trapper. So think of a trapper, someone who's out in the woods laying traps for bear or fox or whatever they are hunting. The Lord protects us. There are insidious attacks against us. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are committed to following him as a disciple, there will be insidious attacks upon you from the world, the flesh, and the devil. And know that the Lord is your strength. Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote of a German doctor who called this psalm the best preservative in times of cholera and a heavenly medicine against plague and rest. He didn't mean if you've got some disease, then just start reading scripture to your disease. That's not what he was saying. 
He was saying that, that God never promises in the Bible to keep us from disease or death. The Bible doesn't have any silly promises in it. But, but what God does promise is his presence in and through everything we experience. He promises his heavenly medicine for our souls. So no matter what the trials and the suffering we may endure in this broken world, we can be assured that God will ultimately deliver us. And that is what makes this psalm messianic because now we're looking to the future. Now we're looking to the ultimate deliverance in the Lord Jesus Christ. That even when disease and, and, and uh, dementia and all of these things work in our lives and ultimately bring us to the biggest D word that we don't want to face, death, we who know Christ, we have this Im- incredible hope that, that the moment we pass from this life, our spirits will go immediately into the presence of the Lord. Our bodies will go into the ground to, to await for the resurrection day. And then on resurrection day, our bodies will be raised from the ground, made new, perfected, glorified, strong, healthy, forever. And our souls will rejoin those bodies and we will live with God forever and ever and ever on the new heavens and in the new heavens and on the new earth and that is what i call deliverance in the meantime there's a lot of pain and suffering that we endure and even then the lord gives us heavenly medicine for our souls ensuring us he is our shelter we can hide in the shadow of the Almighty. So the sovereign security described in Psalm 91 is what I would call soul medicine. That's what that is, soul medicine. And those who know Jesus have soul-sustaining promises like the one found in John 11. John 10, excuse me, where Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they will follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are a gift from the Father to the Son. You're being held in the Son's hands, and the Son's hands are wrapped with the Father's hands, and nothing and no one can touch you. You are secure. Your soul is secure in Him. Who is your chief security guard? When you are afraid, when you are insecure, where do you run for security? Run to the Lord. He will never fail you. This is a challenge for us, right? Because we like to maintain control of our lives. We find safety in control. And yet trust releases control to God. 
says, God, I don't have to control this situation because you're going to do an infinitely better job of it anyway. All I'm going to do is really royally mess things up. God is trustworthy. Sometimes in our walk of faith, we don't think too much about how we're going to have the strength to live for God. But we turn our eyes to Scripture. We turn our eyes to the Lord, His promises. There's a second way we see God interceding and caring. Not only God will save you, but God will shield you, verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. Don't you love this poetic language? One of the things that's so beautiful about the Psalms and the poetic language that's used is that these are eternal truths that apply to any of our specific situations. You can't look at that and say, well, I'm not going through with that. exactly what that guy was going through, so this promise doesn't really belong to me. It's, it's all left specific enough and yet vague enough for us to insert all of our personal trials, and we can see God at work. Look at the beautiful picture of his protection and, and shielding, verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions. Pinions are wings. So here, here's the picture of a mother bird providing protection for her young. It's a picture of safety and comfort, like Psalm 57, 1. Be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in thee. And in the shadow of thy wings, I will take refuge until destruction passes by. Or Psalm 61, 4, let me dwell in thy tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. That's who God is for us in Christ. We have that kind of a heavenly father to run to. And God is always so wise in how he deals with us as his children. For many of us as parents, it takes us uh, a while, maybe even a lifetime to figure it out, just to, to, to allow that tension to exist where, where we provide healthy shelter for our children and yet we don't shelter them from everything that they could experience because by doing that we can actually get in God's way we mother them but we don't smother them that's what God does God mothers us but he doesn't smother us he parents us but he doesn't baby us he knows just what we need pain wise, suffering wise to correct us and help us to grow to mature in him, all the while promising his presence, all the while saying, I'm never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. It's like that small child just getting used to dark, you know. We can't take those fears away, but we can promise our presence, right? Isn't that what God does for us? I'm your shelter, I'm your refuge. Come, hide in me. 
Find your security in me. Stop running to everything else for your security and peace. Run to me. Hide in me. Over and over, God's word tells us to do this. God allows and appoints suffering so that we will mature in Christ and so that we will experience his comfort so that we then will become channels of comfort to others. 2 Corinthians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. When we're in the midst of really painful times, we don't see it. We usually see it years later, how God was using that situation to teach us about himself and to teach comfort, what what it means to be comforted by God, so that then he could bring that same comfort to other people through us. Isn't it gracious of the Lord to handle us that way as his children? There's a third way God intercedes and cares for us. Verses 5 and 6, God will shelter you. The psalmist lists numerous examples of the kinds of circumstances that produce fear. But notice how verse 5 begins. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day. So you won't, you won't fear things that happen in the dread of the night. You won't fear things in the, in the daytime that threaten you nor pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noon day. This is all true only for those who understand verse 2. <laughs> that kind of security and stability is possible only if verse 2 is true of you. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. This is the kind of stability that God gives to us. We we all know people whose lives are always in a chaotic state of panic and they have no experience of stability because there is no sense of security in Christ. And that's where we can be of such a blessing to them to help them to see the hope and security that can be theirs in the Lord Jesus Christ, the safety that belongs to us in him. In Christ, God shelters us from all eternal harm. He does not shelter us from all earthly harm because he knows that would not be good for us, and there wouldn't even be reality in a broken world. God doesn't create a sterile bubble and place us in there. But he does promise his presence and strength through every trial, and he promises eternal deliverance someday for those who know Christ. That's why Paul could write in Romans 5, in Christ We rejoice in our sufferings 
knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God doesn't pluck us out of all of our suffering. Instead, he promises to be with us through our suffering, in our suffering, holding us up, carrying us in his everlasting arms so that our suffering produces endurance, our endurance produces character, and our character produces hope. And this is a hope, Paul says, that doesn't put us to shame because it's a hope that's rooted not in us, but it's rooted in the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. What is Paul trying to do here? He is trying to overwhelm us with the love of God so that we will find our security and hope in him and we will stop running and hiding and choosing our drugs of choice to numb the pain of our lives and run to him for the security and stability that we need. And finally, there's a fourth way that God intercedes and cares for you. Verses 7 and 8, God will sustain you. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. What's he talking about? He's talking about the ultimate judgment of the wicked, the ultimate judgment of non-believers. And, and it says, you will only look at it. You will only see it. It won't touch you. God's judgment of unbelievers is for unbelievers. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So the psalmist is saying, to believers that you will witness the judgment of God's enemies, but you yourself will be spared. Why is that? Because of Christ. Because Christ has already endured all of the judgment that we deserved. He's already taken all of the punishment for us. All of the difficulties that are mentioned in this psalm are unable to, to conquer the person who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, makes the Lord his shelter. Why is that? Well, because in the shadow, if we know Christ, then guess who's hiding in the shadow with us? Jesus. Promises his presence. Makes me think of Mark 4 when the, um, the disciples were uh, in their boats and the Lord Jesus was with them. And it says in verse 37 of Mark 4, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. So you imagine yourself in these boats and the storm is whipping up and the water is piling into the boats. But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. They woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care what's happening to us? Don't you care that we are perishing? 
And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? When you are secure in Christ, then then God is your dwelling place. And his presence is what secures you, stabilizes your soul. You can have peace in the middle of the storms of life because Jesus will say to your storm, peace be still. He will say, trust me, Obey my word. Know that I am God. I'm with you. The message of this psalm should bring us great encouragement and feed our hope, calm our souls. Whether you are facing trials, danger, or even death, you can experience God's presence by resting in the security that is yours in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord Jesus as your Savior and Lord, may I just appeal to you. He is waiting with open arms to receive you. Come to him. Lay down your burdens. Stop running away Run to him. He will forgive you. And he will make you one of his own. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the incredible hope and encouragement in this psalm. It's amazing to us, Lord, how your word is so relevant every day of our lives and so sufficient to meet us where we're at and to minister to our souls. It's the soul medicine that we need, Lord. I pray that you would take your word that has so lifted up your name and just gently by your spirit massage it into our inner being that it will become a part of us, our thinking, our faith, that more and more, Lord, we will grow in our understanding of what it means to hide in the shelter of God and to abide in the shadow of the Almighty. God, thank you that no matter what we go through in this life, you are with us and you promise to not only be with us, but to uphold us, to strengthen us, to even use the difficulties to change us, to direct our eyes upward, and to remake us into the image of Christ. In his name we pray.